Good morning, family. Happy Palm Sunday to you. What a blessing it is to see you. So good to be in the house of the Lord again. Come on, put a big smile on your face. Look at somebody and say, I'm so glad to see you. Go ahead and tell someone, I'm so glad to see you. So glad to see you. It is good to be here. We give God praise for his goodness to us and just a tremendous opportunity to be together on this Palm Sunday to love on Jesus and to love on each other. He's good to us, isn't he? He is so good to us. Let's pray together and let's go right into the word and see what the Lord has for us. Pray with me. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Thank you for this, your beloved and my dear ones that have gathered here. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing us safely to this beautiful campus that we might share together as one big family. Oh, how we need you and we desire you. We thank you. It is in you that we live, we move, and we have our being. Father, allow your word now to just flow richly in the place. Give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text, and help your servant to teach in such a way that even a child would be able to understand the powerful truth and revelation that is given to us through Scripture. And we'll be careful to praise you, to extol you, to exalt you in all of our ways. This we shall do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're continuing our series that our pastor has been leading us in regarding what it means to walk in purposeful Christianity. Purposeful Christianity. And we're going to go a little bit further. He did a wonderful job at laying out some foundation with us in regards to our identity in Christ. And he got a little bit into, on last week, some of the responsibilities that come with that, how we live this out, how we walk this out. And as he shared with you the portion of Scripture that he was teaching from, there was so much in it that it was difficult to cram all of that into one sermon, one teaching. So I'm going to pick up where he left off and see if we can add some meat to the bones, some gravy to the rice, and see what God has for us as we go further in the scripture. Reading from the writing of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, beginning at verse 18, and we'll read down to chapter 4 and verse 1. Here begins the reading of the word of the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. And not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I want to place emphasis on that latter part of that verse. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. And then verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, 
knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Paul continues his discourse of sharing with the church of Colossae. And remember, he's writing this from a prison cell to a church that is steeped in culture. A culture in which we find uh, the, the three elements that are brought out here, the role of the wife, the role uh, specifically of the wife and the husband, the marriage relationship, and the relationship uh, of the children to the parents, and then the relationship of the servant or the slave to the master. He, he uses the backdrop of the culture in which he lives not to affirm, hear me, not to affirm the atrocities nor the abusive things that are presented through the culture, but rather to introduce a counterculture. I term it the culture of the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom of God. He in no ways is affirming abusive relationships, nor is he affirming uh, relationships that are cruel and harsh. We see that just by the verb that the verb uh, that he uses here in regards to the word submit. Uh, the, the word submit that he uses there is not a word that is used within the culture that he lives in. The, the culture that he lives in is more of a culture of control. So there's no real submission where there is control. That, that, that the idea here is that in the days and the time frame in which he lived, women had little or no rights. Children had little or no rights. Slaves had little or no rights. I, although the idea of slavery in the context of which he's speaking was not nearly as challenging or presenting um, as, as a negative as it was in the day that we see in our own country some 200, 300 years ago when we speak of slavery. The atrocity of slavery for the uh, mid, what we call the mid-Atlantic passage where Africans were brought across the Atlantic to our country and into South America and so forth, that, that, that would not even be the context of what Paul's culture would have presented. His culture would have presented more of an indentured servanthood where it was more of a relationship between a person who was writing off a debt. They were working through a contractual agreement with one who was the master. That, that would have been the context within Paul's day. Not, again, slavery as we would see it here. I, I, you've heard me say this to you before, that uh, a lot of people get surprised when I tell them this, that uh, slavery in this country is not that far from each and every one of us, in particular myself, given the fact that my great-grandmother, not, not my great-great-grandmother, my great-grandmother was a slave. She, she literally was born into slavery and was a child, uh, a young child, albeit a, a young child by the time slavery was abolished or ended in this country. But my, and, and some of you say, really? You, you sure that's not your great-great? No, my, my grandfather, my grandfather died in 1982. He was the youngest of the siblings in which were born to my great-grandmother, and he was 100, they, 
believe he was between 106 and 112 when he died in 1982. My grandfather. You see. So you, you know I'm pulling for those genes. I am pulling for those genes. But what Paul does here is he brings emphasis, not an affirmation to the negative aspects of the culture in which he lives, but rather he presents a whole other culture. If we are to identify with Christ, if there is to be a relationship with our actions to the one with whom we believe, he presents this counterculture that in and of itself speaks of that which is lived out in every aspect of our lives. Pastor Lance brought this out to us that there are three places that should mirror heaven upon the earth. He listed them as being number one, our heart, the home, and the church. And I will go as far as to add a fourth one, the workplace. Particularly if you are a person who is a boss, you are the employer and you have employees and you are a believer, then your faith should carry out beyond Sunday morning. You ought to live a certain way and treat people a certain way. So again, uh, there, uh, there's the idea that Jesus brings out in Matthew 6 when he teaches us how to pray. You pray like this. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth. Just like it is in heaven. Your, your, your kingdom come. Where? In my heart. As it is in heaven. Where? In my home. As it is in heaven. Where? In the church. As it is in heaven. Where? In the workplace. As it is in heaven. Lord, your kingdom. How do you do what you do? Not the mores of the, count of the culture, the common culture of the world. But rather, God, your values. Your concepts, your principles, let them rule and reign within our lives. So daily, we're to seek alignment with Christ's identity, our Christ's identity, by our willing, watch this, by our willing act of the word that is submitted to us in the first sentence there of the text. We are to do this by our act of submission through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Hang with me for just a moment. I'll prove my point on this. I believe that one of the most neglected yet accessible attributes of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one of the most accessible but neglected attributes of the Godhead and the lives of many believers, most of us, if not all of us, is in the area of submission. For it is in submission that even the Godhead, the Trinity, there is a submission that takes place among them within God himself. It is an attribute of God. And yet for most of us, 
It is something that is so far from us. It is something that is distant within our life. And I submit to you without hesitation that submission is the transformational tool that is often not only neglected, but because it is neglected, we do not operate in the fullness of the authority that God has given us. So he starts out by stating, wives, submit to your husbands. But in order to truly appreciate verse 18, ladies, there has to be the presentation and the embracing of verse 19. Because the reality is, is a wife responds through submission where she believes she is loved, where she is cared for. So it doesn't fall on this. He doesn't just throw this out here and say, wives submit, as though it's a negative term. It's actually, we're going to see in a moment, it's a very positive term. Wives submit based on what? Based upon the fact that there is a husband who not only loves you, but he is also not harsh with you. He is caring of you. He is supportive of you. And then he goes on and carries it out even when it comes to children. He says, children, uh, obey your parents in everything. Why? It pleases the Lord. And that, but he, he doesn't leave this as to say, um, I'm the parent, you're the child, you do what I say. No, he says, fathers, don't provoke your children. There, watch this. There is an equality. Even where there is submission, there is an equality, and it is an affirmation of the roles, the roles of the wife, the role of the husband, the role of the children. It does not in any way mean that because I submit to another, I am less than the one I am submitting to. I'm actually equal. And, and, and hold on just a moment, ladies, before you check out too quick. You're going to find out in a minute. It's not just the wives that are to submit, but there's also a submission that the husbands are to have. We'll see it here in just a moment. So we find in the text that is brought out to us. In fact, let's go there right now. Turn with me over to Ephesians 5. And let me just prove my point on this. Ephesians 5. There's something about this word submission. There's something about it. Submission, again, is the transformational tool that oftentimes we neglect due to our desire to either control or our fear of being controlled. I don't want to submit. We see it as a negative word. Because if I submit, I will lose control. Or if I submit... I will have others who control me. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2, look what he says. Watch this. He now opens it up. He gives us an understanding of what's, how submission operates. Watch this. Totally different than control. Totally different than something that is abusive of harsh or that which operates in fear or putting others down. Listen to what he says in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of who? God. As beloved children. What is he saying? Do just like God does. Behave. Act. Think. 
just like God. And he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Whatever you see, the parent do, the child does. I I was just sitting a moment ago and watching a young man with his two-year-old that was sitting in the same room with me. And it was, it was interesting to watch. Everything the daddy was doing, the two-year-old was doing. The daddy was, he's, he's part of the production team here. He was working on his computer. The two-year-old had his cell phone up and he was working on the cell phone. <laughs> two-year-old. And, and you could just watch his movement. If the dad sat a certain way, the son, the two-year-old was trying to emulate or imitate his dad. That's, that's how we're to do. That's how we're to live in the spirit. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, walk in love as Christ loved us. And watch this. And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He, right in that first opening passage, he gives us emphasis or understanding of how, watch this, not only submission operates, but how love operates. Where there is true love, there is no difficulty in submission. Where there is true love, watch, I willingly, I willingly and sacrificially Yield through submission where I'm loved, where I'm cared for. How does, God, how does God love? God loves in such a way that he gives himself up. How does God love? He loves in such a way that it is a sacrifice. How does God love? God loves in such a way that when he is actively presenting love, not just thinking love, Not just feeling love. Some of us don't even think about love unless we feel it. I've lost that loving feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Oh. See, that's that's about how it sounds. That's how it looks. (laughs) That's how it plays out right there. (laughs) That's how it plays out. No, no, no. He says, watch this. He says, God loves in such a way that it is like a fragrant offering. It it lingers. It hangs around. It's still there. It's like going up to a person. You know, I, I can go up and embrace a person. And when I embrace them, many times they'll either have a cologne on or a certain perfume on. And as I embrace them, there's something that causes them to stand out. I say, what, what, what do you have on today? What do you have on? It's, it smells so fragrant. Of course, they'll throw out Old Spice or English leather, you know. <laughs> I say, but it, it smells good. It, it's lingering with you. It's not something that you just put on, watch this, and it's gone. It's something that you continuously are emitting. When, 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 when I'm with you or around you, even if I'm not in your presence, if I'm in a different room, just the fact that you've been where you've been, there's something that reminds me of you. You make impact. My wife will tell me sometimes in the morning when I spray cologne on, she says, you know, I can smell your cologne even after you've been gone for three hours. <laughs> I can smell your cologne. 
Yeah. And, and, and the idea, and when I think about it, I, I'd like to think, I'd like to think that it's not merely my cologne that resonates with her three hours after my departure from the house to go to work, but I'd like to think that my love resonates with her. Three hours, six hours. You, you hear what I'm saying? All day long. It lingers. That, that's the idea that Paul brings out here. Let's keep reading. Look what he says in uh, the, the next part of the passage in verse, uh, well, let's look at again, verse 2. He says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 15, looking carefully then how you walk. Whenever we see the word walk in the Bible, Paul is referencing how you live out your life, your behavior. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Is Not this idea, well, you just never know what God's will is. You just never know. You know, there's houses tore up. The marriage is in trouble. You know, you just never know what the will of the Lord is. Children are going through all kinds of challenges, but you just never know what the will of the Lord is. Oh, I tell you, I'm losing my job and they're getting ready to lay off people. You just never know what the will of the Lord is. I can tell you this. I know his will is for you and not against you. I do know that his will is for you to be made whole. I do know that his will is for you to walk in the fullness of joy. I do know that his will for us is that we, in the areas of our brokenness, would be made whole again so that we can walk and be a blessing. Not just be blessed, but be a blessing to someone else. So I don't go for, we just never know what the will of the Lord is. I want to understand His will. I want to understand what the will of the Lord is. Especially in the days that we're living in now. Look at verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine. How do we do it? He says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the idea that Paul brings out here, if I'm going to do it the way that Jesus did it, if I'm going to love the way that God loved, if I'm to sacrifice the way that God sacrificed, if I'm to submit the way that Jesus sacrificed or submitted to the Father, if I'm to submit the way that the Holy Spirit submits to both Jesus and the Father, if I'm to do all of this, watch, I cannot do this by myself. I need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach me, to guide me, to show me how to be God-like. How to imitate God. Look what he says. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything in God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But look at verse 21 there in that chapter, chapter 5 of Ephesians. He says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence. For the God that you and I serve. 
uh, 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 again, some of them say, well, I thought only the wives were to submit. Well, no, if you keep reading, you, you find out he starts out by saying submitting to one another. Then he starts talking about the role of the wife and the role of the husband. He starts talking about marriage. He starts talking about marriage, how to live out our family life in the act of marriage. The, 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 the willingness of submission, I believe, releases or facilitates spiritual authority. Let me say that again because I, I, I think that's often missed. We think that we lose authority by submitting to another. But the reality is, is that when you and I truly are in submission to God and to one another, it releases power. It releases authority. It releases something into our families. It releases something into our relationships. It releases something even into the area of our workplace. When we truly embrace submission for what the Bible says submission is, not what we think submission is, but what the Word declares that it is, self-sacrificing. When we embrace it as such, it releases power. For Submission is not only self-sacrificing, it also is, watch this, yielding. It is yielding. It means I could go, but I'm going to pause and let you go first. Yielding. It is mutual obligation. Mutual obligation. Uh, It's not where in our home where my wife has to always wash the dishes. I can get in there since I eat off the plates and wash some dishes too. She can cook, but there may be sometimes my mama taught me how to cook too. So I go in there and I cook as well. It's a mutual obligation. It's opposition to worldly patterns. To truly submit means that I oppose worldly patterns, but I adhere to godly patterns. Let me give you an example. My wife uh, and I will be married here on the 29th of this month for 22 years. I've dated her. Thank God. I can give God praise for that. Especially since some folks don't stay married 22 days. So I'm thankful for that. But one of the things that I reflect upon is that when I first started courting her uh, some 25 years ago, I was dating her. And I'll never forget, on our first date, the first date, uh, we were in the car. She got in the car and I was in the car and we were getting to the restaurant and I took the key out the ignition. We pulled into the parking slot and I took the key out of the ignition and as I took the key out, I looked to my right where she would have been sitting in the passenger seat and she was out of the car and already on the sidewalk. And I looked and I ran to the other side and I said, no, 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 no. I said, as long, now I'm telling you, this was first day, first day. I said, as long as you're with me, you will never have to open the door. As long as you are with me, I will open the door for you. You know what she did? She got back in the car. She said, I might as well work this. You understand what I'm saying? She got back in the car. And I have kept 
my promise to her in that regard. It's not that my wife is unable to open the door for herself. But I want to, watch me, I want to serve her in such a way and put love into action. And sacrifice in such a way by getting out of the car, walking to the other side. Why? Not because merely she is my wife, but she is a daughter of the king. She's God's daughter. She's God's daughter. She's not just my wife. She's God's daughter. You see. So I, 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 I do that to serve her. To, to bless her. And because of that... There are ways that she responds in a heart of submission to me, not because she is forced to, but because she wants to. Come on, I'm helping somebody. Y'all better take notes up on this. This, There's some good stuff right here. Glory to God. I've had times when I've turned around and I've, every now and then, take a vacuum cleaner and go vacuum the floor. And I'll sit there and I don't put lines in the carpet like she does. She knows how to roll forward and pull back. Roll forward and pull back. I just want it done. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm just, I'm just all over the place. But because I submit to that and I honor her by doing so, you know what she does? She starts cheering me on. She said, Ooh, you can't nobody vacuum a floor like you. Boy, look at this. And I'm, you like it? You understand what I'm saying? It's it's that submission to one another, that caring for one another. And it's not just, listen, it's a two-way submission. It's not just husbands and wives, but even you single folks that are in the room. It's also a call for us as singles for you to also live out a life of submission, a, a life that connects to the family of God, to healthy friendships, healthy relationships, that you can say, I am submitted to another in my life. They can speak into me. They can pour into me. And I can be blessed by what they are sharing. Our Christ's identity accentuates our godly role and our character through the ministry of submission. My dear friend, relationship expert, Dr. Ron Elmore, he makes this observation. I quote, literally, submission means an action that is self-initiated. An intentional, voluntary, not in response to outside force or threat. The unique beauty and worth of biblical submission is that it is the result of one's decision more than one's duty. He goes on to say, it's the willing sacrifice of one's personal rights, authority, and self-interest for the benefit of the other person or the relationship itself. Ultimately, ultimately, submission is not merely symbolic or philosophical, but it is demonstrated by practical action. It's not what I just think. It's what I do. It's not just what I have this idea, well, I'm going to yield or submit, maybe. No, it's actually doing it. It's actually doing it. Uh, let me, let me put this out to you and see if you can grasp this. Uh, it is actually the kind of decisive, self-sacrificing 
action Jesus calls us to in Luke 9.23 where he says, If anyone desires to follow after me, he must, she must deny themselves and take up their cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. It's a daily submission to God. It's a daily submission. It's not just saying, I'm a Christian. It's not just saying, I go to Bridgeway. It's not just saying, I attend church. It's a daily yielding and submitting to the Father and taking up our cross and following Him. Going after Him. Watch this. I know when it's God speaking to me. I know when it's God dealing with me. How do you know that? Because 10 times out of 10, it's not what I want to do. (laughs) 10 times out of 10, I'm fighting it every step of the way. And God is saying, but can you yield? Can you submit there? Can you imitate Jesus in such a way that it's not about you? It's not about you. It's not about you. It is a response to the love that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I serve because he has loved me. I serve because he has cared for me. I serve because he has sacrificed everything for me. To submit is to willingly reflect Jesus voluntarily and watch this. Voluntarily and with vulnerability for the sake of relational benefit. Oh, it's going to cost you. You're going to be vulnerable. I I can hear some of you right now. I just don't like putting myself out there like that. If you're going to be one who truly submits to God, to your marriage, to your child, to your parent, to your co-worker, Surprise, you will be putting yourself out there. And you just may get hurt. But there's nothing you will ever sacrifice for the honor and glory of God that he will not in turn reward. Nothing. There's nothing you will ever sacrifice. God will not in turn give the inheritance and give the reward. I believe that with all of my heart. Let me close with this thought. I was thinking about this because when we talk about imitating Jesus, there's a passage in John 11 that I've read it so many times. I've preached on it so many times. But I never saw what I saw recently in the text that stood out to me. It deals with Jesus being summoned to heal his friend Lazarus who was at the point of death. He was so sick that there were messengers that were sent a day's journey from Bethany to where Jesus was to tell Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. Come quickly. And Jesus does something that is amazing, beloved. It is amazing. Jesus, despite the pressure that is upon him from external forces, from people that are looking at him, messengers that have come, instead of him just jumping up immediately and running to where Lazarus is, 
He remains two extra days. He doesn't go anywhere. He stays there. And even at one point, after he makes up his mind to go, there's pressure that is put upon him by his disciples who say, if you go, the people will kill you. So Jesus is stuck, literally, because they had told him, they said, they'll stone you. They'll stone you. Jesus is literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. He literally is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because on one hand, just a couple of days earlier, he's got the pressure of these messengers who have come from Mary and Martha saying, come quickly and heal your friend. And he stays two days. And then after two days, he makes his heart to go. And now he's got the pressure of the disciples saying, don't go. They'll kill you. And finally, even as he's walking, heading that way, the the disciples, you would think people have seen him, these men who have been with him, they've seen him feed the hungry, raise the dead, do all of these things. They've seen him do all of these miracle signs and wonders around him. You would think, you would think they would get it. Instead of them affirming it through faith, yes, Lord, we're going with you. They say, let's go with him so we can die with him. That's the attitude. Jesus gets to the tomb. When he gets to the tomb, he does something that is, again, for some reason, it was just elusive to me. He stands there and he starts speaking to the Father. And he says these words. Father, you have always heard me. And you hear me. You've always heard me. Past tense. Before. Previous to this. Can you hear me? You're hearing me right now. And he he does something. He begins to affirm, watch this, his continuous submission to the Father because he doesn't do anything except his Father sends him to do it. Despite the pressure, despite the challenge, Despite the physical weariness, he does not move unless the Father guides him. He is fully submitted to the Father. He says, you've always heard me. You've heard me. I'd like to think that when the messengers came to Jesus and Jesus heard the report that his friend was sick, The pressure was upon him to react and to move. But instead, he submits to the Father. He has a conversation with the Father. He said, Father, should I go? I feel like I need to go because that's my friend. I need to go and heal him and so forth. And and the Lord said, no, not yet. Wait, 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 wait. Don't don't move yet. Don't move yet. This, this, This is bigger than what it appears. There's some glory that's going to come out of this. Stay right here, Jesus. Stay right here. And then even as he's getting ready to go two days later, then the pressure is upon him. Don't go, Jesus. They'll kill you. He submitted to the Father in such a way that the Father's saying it's time to go. Don't listen to the... Even though these are your buddies, these are the disciples. They've been walking with you. Hear me, hear me, and follow me. He is so submitted to the Father that by the time he gets to the tomb, children of God, he's standing there in full authority. Submission releases power. And he speaks and says, roll a stone away. 
Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, he who was dead, comes out. When I was growing up in the church, preachers used to preach that sermon. They used to say he had to call Lazarus by name because if he didn't call him by name, everybody in the cemetery would have jumped up. <laughs> Boy, we used to jump and shout on that. I mean, we used to have some church on that. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, wrapped up in grave clothes, comes hopping out. That's why the only thing needs to be hopping this Easter is about the resurrection. Come on, somebody, that's all. That's the only thing needs to be hopping. And he says, loose him and let him go. That's the authority. That's the authority that comes through submission. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's that attribute of God that is accessible and practical for each and every one of us. I want to pray. I want to, in fact, invite the prayer team to come up quickly, if you will. And uh, all, all this week, all yesterday, all last night, 3 o'clock in the morning, Four o'clock in the morning. I could not sleep because of y'all. Holy Spirit just dealing with me. Just dealing with me. Just dealing with me and, and affirming to me. I want, this is what he speak, speaks into my heart. I want you, son, to not only speak the word to him, but I want you to pray and bless the people today. Pray over them and bless them. And specifically, families, marriages, Single folks that are struggling. Parents. Children of parents. Right, right now in our home, we have my mother and father-in-law, my, my wife's parents that are living with us because of health challenges that they both are facing. And I can see how my wife cares for her parents and the strain that is there, but she is submitting. She is submitting as a daughter to care for her parents in these years. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm submitting by supporting her in that. When she asked me if our, her parents could come and be with us, I didn't sit there and say, well, <laughs> can't somebody else care for them? No, no. It's, we're in it together, sacrificing to be a blessing to them. I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for people who are struggling here because the enemy's just bombarding you and beating you up and trying to make you feel like you're not going to make it. You're going to struggle. I'm going to remind you again, prophetically, God is for you. He's not against you. I want everyone to stand on your feet. And I want literally dozens of you that say, Pastor, will you pray with me for my family, for my household, for my children, my grandchildren? Come, come to this altar. Come real quick. Just move quickly. Just come out of your seat. I want us to be family today and pray together. Come out of your seat and let me pray with you for your family, for your household, for your children, for your job. Come. And I want to agree with you today and believe God for you. If you need healing, you need deliverance, come close. Come close. Don't, you don't have to step back. Come close. Yes, come close. Come, come, come. I surrender all. Come on. I surrender all.
receive. Somebody else, come. We'll pray together. Surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender. That's full submission. All to thee, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all to thee, my blessed Savior, I I surrender, I surrender, I want to know you more, I want to know Come on, let's just lift our hands and worship too. I surrender, full submission children, I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you. Come on, say it again. I surrender. I surrender. Fully submitted, God. I surrender. Oh, I want to know. I want to know. Come on, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your niece, for your nephew. I surrender. For your marriage, for your co-worker, for your sibling, your sister, your brother. I want to know you more. I want to know you. One more time, come on. I surrender, I surrender, Jesus. I surrender, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want everyone that is standing at your seat, would you stretch your hands this direction? towards their brothers and sisters that are standing at this altar. Stretch your hands this direction. And I want you to move into an act of sacrificial love as a family, as an act of sacrificial love and care for these that are standing here. Because there are brothers, there are sisters. I want you to open your mouths and begin to pray and make proclamation. Just begin to speak blessings over them. Let them hear you praying for them. Don't be silent. Everybody, just open your mouth right now and send prayers this direction. Let them hear you praying. Come on, open those mouths wide. Let them hear you pray and speak blessings over them, healing over them, strength over them. Come on, open those mouths. Everyone in your seats, open those mouths and declare that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, we thank you and praise you. You are the Lord God who rules and reigns. Thank you, Jesus. We yield to you. 
We submit to you, O God. We want to be more like you. We want to imitate you, O God, in every aspect of our life, O God. In the name of Jesus, touch our lives, touch our household, touch our children, touch our families. Everything that the enemy has attempted to do. God, we thank you for destroying the works of the wicked one. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you right now. Sit in the Lord God be against you now. Loose your hold in the name of Jesus. Take your hands off of God's people. Take your hands off of everything concerning them. In the name of Jesus. We speak life. We speak health. We speak strength. We speak power. In the name of Jesus. May everything, everything that God has for us now come forth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Send millions of angels. Send millions of angels. Ministering spirits, God, that will come and lift your people now. In the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. We know that we have the victory. We will not allow depression. We will not allow depression, intimidation, and fear to rule over us anymore. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we thank you, Lord, that while we're praying at this altar, yokes are being destroyed in the name of Jesus. Satan is being cast out in the name of Jesus. And the power of God is being released in our lives in Jesus' name. Put those hands together, open those mouths, and give God a high praise. Come on, give Him praise. Come on, give Him praise. Come on, give Him praise, somebody. Open those mouths and bless the Lord in here. Hallelujah. We give you praise, oh God. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Now look at me. Look at me. Everyone at this altar, look at me. Walk out of here with full assurance knowing that he who has began a good work in you, he is faithful. And he has and will complete it. You hear me? Don't walk out with your head down another moment. Walk out knowing that you have the victory in every area of your life. I affirm to you that while you were praying at this altar, God was moving on your behalf. He was moving on your behalf, man. He was moving on your behalf. Don't you worry another day. God is in control. The prayer team is here in the front. They're ready to pray for us. Listen, have a beautiful Palm Sunday. Go out there and reach the world. If you want more prayer, come up. The prayer team is up here. Reach the folks for Jesus.